You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Monday uh, to you and yours. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you're ready to start your work week and to get into this week with a great episode of Fearless with Jason Whitlock because we got a great show. It's Monday. Uh, Steve Kim will be here shortly. Uh, we'll talk some sports with Steve Kim. Uh, we're going to have uh, Coach JB back on a probo probationary period. I've, I've told him and gave him strict instructions not to reference Patrick Mahomes ever again on this show. Uh, if he references Patrick Mahomes, uh, he'll be booted off the show. Uh, I just can't take the uh, Patrick Mahomes hate. The man is a two-time MVP, two-time Super Bowl champion. Uh, JB shall never speak Patrick Mahomes' name again on this show. Uh, and, and then Shamika Michelle is going to be here uh, to help me talk about the NAACP Image Awards. Uh, they were this Saturday, and man, do I have a take on that. I'll have a fire starter on that. Uh, before we get rolling, though, I want to ask you all to do me a favor. It's a small favor. It's one of the tiny things you can do as a fearless soldier to help grow this show. Look, you guys know what we're up against. You guys know the cost, the penalty of speaking the truth the way that we do here on this show. The algorithms don't like us. The algorithms don't want us to grow. The algorithms don't want our show to flourish and be heard by other people. And the way we can combat that is a very simple thing. Hit the likes button. Costs you nothing. Takes you less than a second. Not only hit the likes, and we need a goal today of getting 3,000 likes on this show. The show is worth it. Not only that, then I want 60 seconds of your time. Just 60 seconds. Go to the comments and write a comment about the show as well. If we get the likes around three, 4,000, if we get comments up over 1,000, that helps spread the show, that triggers the algorithm and we start getting recommended. It's a small thing, you have to get involved. This is tiny. Hit the likes button, leave a comment, do both. If you're only gonna do one, but I want you to do both, make sure you hit that likes, make sure we got three or 4,000 likes on this show, it's important. Here's a slightly bigger thing you can do, just slightly. It's something, it's a core value for us. You can support our friends at Preborn. While our administration considers declaring a public health emergency on abortion, the battle was far from over. Overturning Roe versus Wade was huge, but let's not forget this. Day after day after day, young women, scared young women, who don't think they have options, are choosing abortion. 
Preborn Network clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies. The majority of women who come to their clinics are being pressured to abort. Preborn seeks these women out before they make the ultimate choice and introduces them to life growing inside of them through a free ultrasound. And we are, we are the fuel that allows Preborn to offer these young women free ultrasounds because we give, you guys know, 28 bucks, uh, pays for one abortion, 140, pay, uh, one, one abortion, one ultrasound, $140 pays for five ultrasounds. Once a woman sees that baby in the womb, once she hears that heartbeat, she is 70% more likely to choose life. This is our small contribution, our way of getting involved in this fight. We gotta be pro-life in the womb. It's a mindset that we have to adopt. Once you adopt that mindset of the value of life in the womb, it's going to power your worldview on life outside the womb. And so it, <clears throat> it's a simple act. It's a simple show of faith and real support by supporting Preborn. You guys know I love Preborn. All you gotta do is hit pound 250, say the keyword baby, or you can give the Jason Whitlock way. Go to preborn.com slash Jason. That's preborn.com slash Jason. Send me a note after you do it. Email me at fearlessblazeshow at gmail. I love getting those emails. Love hearing from you guys that are really doing your duty as fearless soldiers by supporting life inside the womb. It's important to our mindset. It will guide us on our outlook on life outside the womb, it's important to our worldview. Please support preborn.com. Please support pound 250, say the keyword baby, or do it the Jason Woodlock way. Give this show the credit that, you know, I gotta say I'm looking for it, we're looking for it. We want preborn to know that this show loves preborn more than any other show. So go to preborn.com slash Jason, do all that. Thank you, I've, I've given you all the instructions you need today. Hit the likes, leave a comment, go support Preborn, and now I'll do my job and entertain you with a terrific show. Oh, before I do all what do you guys think of my new, uh, it's my new Adidas shirt pullover. I don't know what you'd call this, it's almost a jacket or whatever. Uh, I don't know what I think about it. You guys tell me. That's a good comment for you, Lee. Tell me what you think about my jacket. I'm getting a haircut this week. Hopefully tomorrow I need a haircut. My hair is out of control. Maybe time to put a little more dye back in my hair. But I kind of like it right now. There's just enough gray. And just, anyway, let's get to the show. Uh, Steve Kim uh, out in Los Angeles. Steve is our, you know, resident boxing expert. We call him the Korean Cosell because he's all over boxing. But last night I text Steve. And I go, did you watch the Jake Paul fight? And he said, no. And I'm like, Korean Cosell, how you gonna not watch the Jake Paul, Tommy Fury fight? I know it's not real boxing, and I know you're a boxing elitist, but you know, it, is it over for Jake Paul? Jake Paul got beat last night in a, pretty much everybody that watched the fight thinks that Tommy Fury won the fight in a unanimous decision. It was eight rounds. Maybe Jake Paul won one round. Uh, is it over? Is the gimmick of Jake Paul, is it over? Has, has he peaked? 
Well, first of all, good Monday to you, Jason. And you are looking very sharp in your new Chess King outfit. Very impressive. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> I'm not an elitist. I have nothing against this stuff. I really don't. But the boxing that I watched took place on Saturday night on Showtime at the Armory, where I thought I watched some really good action featuring a Puerto Rican meat grinder by the name of Subrael Matias, who I wrote about for my weekly column for Snack. Now, I've always said this. Freak shows are nothing new in boxing. Uh, Muhammad Ali fought Antonio Inoki, and there have been other events like this. But there comes a point in time where your time is more valuable uh, as you get a little bit older. And I just said, you know what? I'd rather just write my column talking about the fights I'd seen the previous night, watch a little XFL, and then just hang out. I don't look. The Jake Paul thing was a really good novelty. He has struck lightning in a bottle, boxing with the malaise that it's been in. He kind of found a window of opportunity to capitalize on his marketability, and they kind of made it a freak show. You know, but let's be honest here. He, he didn't beat or he didn't lose to Tyson Fury. He lost to Tommy Fury. This is like um, facing not Jose Canseco, Ozzy Canseco. And if you can't beat that guy, your run in this game is very, very limited. I think the novelty that caught on the last, let's say, two years, I don't think it's necessarily ended, but I think people now realize what this is. Tommy Fury, is he a real boxer? Does, does he have any credibility as a boxer? I mean, he's real, but is he really mediocre to kind of bad? Yes. There's a reason why Jake Paul chose him. He had the lineage, he's related to Tyson Fury, and he's very, very limited. I mean, look at his body. I I'll give him this, though. I got to get his workout plan, but there's an old saying in the gyms. Trainers used to say this for years. He's built like Tarzan, he fights like Jane. And look, I give both guys credit. It takes an enormous amount of guts to get in there at any level and to duke it out. No headgear, 10-ounce gloves. But last night, from the clips that I saw, and this is nothing that was unexpected, it was novice level boxing. And again, I am not one of those purists because I've actually enjoyed some of these events. But look, I know where this is going. I know what this is about. And by the way, boxing's actually laying out a pretty good schedule for the first half of 2023. My focus, just again, and I'm not making uh, any judgments on anyone else. I would rather focus on the quote unquote real fights. I got it, real fights, but the real interest yeah. is a little bit with Jake Paul. This guy, and you talk about there's been gimmicks in boxing. Like, I've seen Muhammad Ali, you know, or people go, somebody go wrestle a bear or go fight a sumo yeah. wrestler. But, but, but Jake Paul was nothing. He's a YouTuber. He was the star attraction, not him taking on Floyd Mayweather. Jake Paul made like 40 million bucks over the last two or three years from boxing yeah. out of nowhere. And you know what that says? That Jake Paul proves P.T. Barnum correct. But, because there is a sucker born every minute. But here's the difference, though. He actually built something in terms of a profile on a day-to-day -day basis for years as a social media influencer and then went into boxing and exploited that and did some very careful, adroit matchmaking. So I give him credit for that. I believe in capitalism, and he's very good at it. But 
let's take a look at who he was facing. They knew what they were doing. They were taking on old MMA guys who really weren't good at striking or very, very old at the very tail end of their physical prime or had descended from it long ago. And eventually, look, here's my view of it. It's not the most embarrassing thing. Maybe you could do a rematch again. Maybe his fan base sticks with him, which wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. But if you cannot beat Tommy Fury, who I don't really consider a full-time fighter, what is the upside here? Where is this actually going? I don't know, but it seems like social media has created this lane and opportunity because, again, we've seen Nate Robinson, an NBA player, get in the ring and got embarrassed (laughs) by Jake Paul. Uh, But we've seen Le'Veon Bell and other athletes hop into the – yeah, Adrian, hop into the bar. What what is going on here? Why and now? I mean, this is different. But Dana White has launched this smacking competition. Oh, I don't even know what you would you call it a cockfight? Is that what they call it? Or it's a slap fight. But Jay, remember about yeah. twenty years ago when Fox did the celebrity boxing with like Todd Bridges, Vanilla Ice, Danny Bonaducci? Yes. And that was pre-social media. So maybe we should have always been prepared for this. But it's interesting how a lot of athletes actually think boxing is easy. Because maybe they got into a fight. Maybe they won a few street fights. Maybe they were the neighborhood bully. But I I told you this last year. You want to see an athlete humbled? Get him to a real gym and put him through a real training session and ask him to put their hands up properly when the proper boxing stance and then hit a heavy bag for three minutes, again, properly. These guys, in a way, I think, kind of, I would say, insult the sport by thinking they can do it. Because I'll tell you why. Canelo Alvarez has no delusions of grandeur. He doesn't think he can play wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I don't think Shakur Stevenson thinks he can play running back for the Los Angeles Rams. Boxing really is one of those sports, except in the rare occasions, you got to start this thing very, very young. And so I I just think it's interesting how a lot of athletes and influencers are now getting into boxing. But again, but I think a lot of that has to do with the fact they are catapulted by their success and their popularity on social media. But I get the sense that, again, it had its run. It had its 15 minutes of fame. And as soon as Tommy Fury had his hands raised in victory, I said to myself, "Okay, is it now over? I don't mean over as it'll never happen again. But is, is, has it now reached the apex of its popularity? And now can we get back to the real fights? Steve, is there any price that they could pay you to get into the ring with Jake Paul? Yeah, absolutely. It'd have to be seven figures. But again, I will give Jake Paul credit. <laughs> I, I will give him credit for this, though. He's actually made a pretty good commitment to this. He was a pretty good high school wrestler. So he does have some combat experience. He gets in there. He actually trains with real pros. I know some of his guys in his camp, like Jay Leon Love, young fighter that I covered years ago, who I guess is now a trainer. Um, If you've ever sparred, you figure out real quickly how difficult this is. And Jake Paul is a gutty guy in a sense that, look, anyone can get hit on the chin and you can be flattened. And he faced a guy who is a from a fighting family, a fighting man, as Tyson Fury likes to say. 
But uh, I know one thing. I may not be a lover, but I'm certainly no fighter. But hey, everybody has their price. Call me, Jake. Let's talk. <laughs> l- l- final question on this, because it does fascinate me. And, and, and I'm not coming from a woke place when I ask this. Obviously, you know that. But could a black fighter have pulled off what Jake Paul has pulled off in the last two or three years? Is, is, there's, is part of his allure being the great white hope? Uh, I don't know, because I think one of, uh, one of the other popular social media influencers that made waves doing this is a young man out of the UK named KSI. And if I'm not mistaken, KSI fought Logan Paul back three years ago. Now, here's the funniest thing. I actually covered that event when I was at the Four Letter Network. There were other fights on that day. Uh, I think it was Jamel Herring defending his WBO junior lightweight title. And my editor said, no, 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 no. You're going to cover that. And this is the funniest thing. I remember that day vividly because it was the day that uh, Joe Burrow and LSU beat Alabama on the road. So I'm kind of watching that game at the end. I'm ringside at the fight. And here's the thing that was interesting, and it did open my eyes. You had a fight against two social media influencers, and the undercard featured world champions or world champions that were or to be in Devin Haney and BJ Saunders. Nobody cared. I mean, literally, that was the time that if you want to get your drink on and then get your piss on from getting your drink on and then mingle. But by the time (laughs) the main event of KSI and Paul began, Jason, it was a damn near at least a sellout on the lower bowl. And I looked around and I said, oh, God. Uh, this is something that can be exploited. And by the way, there are companies now like The Zone, the streaming platform, which has obviously made a really big investment into boxing. They actually now have a series that they basically finance or are part of called Misfits Boxing, where you basically get a famous person from here against a D-lister from here, a former star here against a co-star from your favorite YouTube series. And you know what? There's actually business to be had. So I give them credit. Look, I am not against anybody fighting, but I have a choice that I can say, look, I'm going to support this event. I'm going to cover this event. I'm going to watch this event or buy it. I just made a decision on this particular Sunday. I'm not going to do any of it. Steve, I want to move on. Uh, Iowa's Fran McCaffrey uh, was involved in one of the most incredible college basketball games of the season. Uh, this weekend was was kind of crazy for college basketball. I watched Michigan yesterday uh, beat uh, Wisconsin with a three to send it to overtime and then kind of handled them in overtime. And I saw some of this Iowa come back over Michigan State. And it actually started when Fran McCaffrey, the head coach of Iowa, stared down the referee. And I believe it was Seth Davis complained and said this was a really bad look. This was unprofessional uh, for the Iowa coach, but they go on a 31 to 15 run and they were down like 11 points with two minutes to go or a minute and 30 to go and ended up beating Michigan State. But let's watch the stare down and, and, you know, is this something or nothing? But we're not perfect, folks. We do make a couple of mistakes. What is happening here? old-fashioned stare down oh, here. Kelly blinks. <laughs> I love that. Something or nothing. Oh, something great. I love it. I mean, think about it. We never take college basketball 
We're talking about it now. If Seth Davis thinks that's not a bad look, what would he have thought of John Chaney? Remember John Chaney at Temple? He literally actually stared down a referee one time, even worse than that. It was it was really funny during his heyday at Temple, and I don't know if it was a team with Mark Shaken Bacon Macon. Remember that? He actually like stared oh, yeah. this guy down, and it was funny about Chaney because he actually looked like an owl, um, and he just had those big eyes. <laughs> and it be and, and look, that's when it was fun because look, if Seth Davis thinks that is a bad look, he didn't get really verbal, didn't cuss him out. I still remember one of the greatest moments in Temple basketball when uh, Mr. Cheney told Calipari, I'll kill you, man! See, that's when college basketball was a sport. <laughs> that's when it mattered. That's when it was fun. We need more of that. So to that coach, Mr. McCaffrey, good job. You are bringing college basketball back. You're making it great again. Uh, this, this college basketball season – and, and I'm going to go a little bit out of order, guys. I want to, yeah. I want because I want to just stick with the college basketball theme. And so we'll go to Brandon Miller next. But this college basketball season is pretty interesting compared to what we, I think, the regular season has been the last decade. And and the other interesting thing, I'll we'll go something or nothing here as well. Brandon Miller in Alabama, you know, criticized mm-hmm. after a pregame pat down. I read about the story first (laughs) and thought, oh man, this is a bad look and, you know, stunning. And and again, not something that someone should get punished for, but but it's like, man, how tone deaf, how stupid, kids are silly. And then, because again, I read about it first. And then I saw uh, Doug Gottlieb tweeted out something along with the video that put it in perspective, and I was like, ah, yeah, I think he's right. So Doug tweeted, this is how they check you over before you go into the octagon, folks. People are, make, are making into a massive deal. Optics aren't great, and they won't do it again, but the fake outrage is from people who don't even know what it is about. They have done it every game. Let's breathe. I got to say I agree with uh, Gottlieb. I know Nate Oates. Uh, the coach at Alabama said it won't happen again. And then, and then w- when I saw the video, I really thought, like, that's it? I mean, this was over in a second and a half? You know, I, I can't, you know, there were people blaming Nate Oates for not telling them not to do it before the game. This is nothing to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm very thankful that Doug Gottlieb is around one of the last hundred people that actually cares about college basketball in our country. And if that is the case, <laughs> if you put that into context, it is kind of a nothing burger. Although given the heat that that young man's going through, you know what, maybe just go through the line and, and give, give some low fives or high fives, whatever you want to dap up your guys, but just get to the huddle because you're going to take a lot of abuse on the road for the next two hours. But Jason, it got me thinking, you're talking about all this interest or things that are very entertaining in college basketball you're not even mentioning the games though think about your think about, you're talking about incidents on and off the court and stuff of this nature funny you bring up college basketball today because yesterday i just happened to watch three different documentaries two of them which i had seen before uh in regards to college basketball two of them were on espnu it was about five slamma jamma the high-flying houston cougars of clyde drexler in the 80s love that love that team and then the next one they had was I Still Hate Christian Leitner about one of the most storied careers when Duke was really Duke. And then later on on the ACC network, I just happened to be flipping through it, and I'm really glad that I caught it. 
It was a remembrance, a documentary on the 1990 Georgia Tech Final Four team. Had one of the greatest nicknames ever, Lethal Weapon 3, with Brian Oliver, D. Scott, and Mr. Chibs, Kenny Anderson. And it got me thinking, as we got the segments for today, look at that era in the 80s and 90s. How great, not good, how great college basketball is. Because I still remember a lot of those teams. I certainly remember the players. I remember a lot of the games. And it was about the games. It wasn't about incidents, although there were things going on. But the game was at such a high level that it was an unbelievable entertainment value. Every Monday, you watch Big Monday for six hours on ESPN, right? Jason, I'm not going to watch six hours of college basketball this season, which includes the Final Four, to be perfectly frank. It's it's an incredible statement. When, when an incredible reality what we've lived through because I know exactly what you're talking about and when I think of the height and, the, and college basketball had many highs I mean yeah. sir, when when five slamma jamma didn't they take on Georgetown in the final four in 84 uh, yes that, they did yeah and and look man I was at Cameron uh, Cameron Indoor Arena when Michigan and the Fab Five, their sophomore year, went yes. to Cameron. I was there. I'm just talent. Chris Weber, Chris, Bobby Hurley, I think Grant Hill was in the game. The Duke student body, the press sat on front row, and, and the Duke student body was, like, on top of you. Like, the kids were touching me the entire game I'm sitting, and it was just crazy. I remember that, but when I think, and, and this is just for me, the height of college basketball for me, well, and, and it's a weird guy that I associate with when I think of like, that's the epitome of college basketball. To me, it was Pearl Washington, man. Mm. I don't know why, I just, Pearl Washington was such yeah. a big deal in college when he came to Syracuse. Oh. And, you know, he didn't do anything in the NBA, really. But, oh, was he a big deal in college. And when I think oh. of the great, I, I think of Pearl, Pearl Washington. And I, I do, I think Jason. of Big Monday. Wasn't the Big East big on Big Mondays, I think? Yeah, Big Monday, Big I, Ten. I, and then they used to show the late UNLV game. And Pearl yeah. Washington was the quickest slowest, slowest, quickest player I've ever seen. And he had a crossover that could just tie guys up. Jason, one last story. This is how big college basketball was. I remember I was living in Valencia, California. It was Patrick Ewing's sophomore year. So they had just come off of losing to Carolina, and they're a big deal. So for the first time, all of America knew where and what Georgetown was. So early in that next season, which had to be in the 82-83 season, I believe, they had this showdown with Virginia, led by Ralph Sampson. So for a whole month, everyone's looking forward to Ewing and Sampson, and they built it up like Ollie Frazier. And college basketball was so big back then that that game was actually nationally syndicated, I think, by like Cat Sports or Raycom Sports. So, I, we, so the game was played in L.A. on a local channel because ESPN didn't have it. But they ran commercials the whole week talking about Battle of the Goliaths. Uh, again, I'm going to plead ignorance. I couldn't name you two players in college basketball today. That's the God's honest truth. 
Steve, this is the point that I think a lot of people miss, and I, I've been arguing it for at least two decades, maybe a little longer. The death of college basketball hurt the NBA. Yes, the, no the doubt. NBA no doubt. taking these players uh, straight out of high school or after a one and done, it's killed the NBA, and they should, they should actually fix it. They really should. Now that the name, image, and likeness stuff is there, they should give these kids big money to stay in college and build a brand in college. I don't care if they pay a guy a million, two, three million yeah. bucks to stay in college, let him build a brand and come to the NBA with a fan base and a star around his name. When Magic Johnson and Larry Bird hit the NBA, it was a big deal because they were big deals in college. I can't, it's hard for me to follow any of these guys now because they don't bring brand, their high school brand is worthless to me. Jason, let me draw an analogy. There was a time when the Olympic coverage, the Summer Olympics was really geared towards men and not housewives. So the boxing competition was huge. All the way up to about 88, right? In Seoul, Korea with that great team with Roy Jones, Michael Carbajal, Riddick Bowe. And literally, when ABC had the Olympics, and when a Ray Leonard and the Spinks brothers, guys of that ilk, Howard Davis, Mark Breland, Meldrick Taylor, Pernell Whitaker, the first Olympic team that I remember, when Howard Cosell anointed you as the next great American, what a fine young man, this guy's a pugilistic prodigy. And by the time you came into the pros, you were known as an amateur so, and I still remember the 84 Olympic team, one of my favorite teams, Pernell Whitaker, Virgil Hill, Tyrell Biggs. It was such a big deal, Jason. I don't know if you remember this. In 1984, the pro debut of those gold medalists and just generally that whole team was actually on a primetime show on a Thursday night on ABC from Madison Square Garden. It got killed in the ratings because it was the debut of the Cosby show on NBC. That's how big boxing used to be. Now, you take a look, and we draw the analogy to what you just talked about. The last college player that I knew coming into the NBA was Zion Williamson. And I think it's the last time he actually played basketball. But putting that aside, <laughs> Zion was such a force for those 20 games that he played, right, that there was a great anticipation when he came out of Duke and whoever was going to get this unbelievable athlete but you're right, Jason, if he would have just gone to Europe or a prep school or held out, there would have been no anticipation for Zion Williamson. So there's a price to pay well, for everything. Just if he had spent three or four years at Duke. Oh, then he's a legend. Just hit the yeah. NBA as a major star. That's a reason to tune into the NBA. I, I've, I've never understood. Me and Billy Packer, God rest his soul, yes, used to talk about it all the time. Billy Packer hated David Stern and he blamed David Stern for ruining college basketball because he said it was intentional, that it was greed, that, that David Stern wanted the players to get to the NBA as soon as possible, we'll make them stars, they don't need the college thing. And, and David Stern was dead wrong and that's why I, I've, I've been somewhat critical. David Stern's far better than Adam Silver, but David Stern did some things uh, that ended up hurting the NBA yeah. in the long run. Michael Jordan 
Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, even Allen Iverson, they wouldn't have been near the stars that they were in the NBA had they not played in college. And so LeBron James is this microwave star, artificial star, in my view. If he had played in college and built a brand there, if Kobe had built a brand in college, they would have been even bigger and we wouldn't, they wouldn't be these knockoffs of what those of us that have lived long enough, we know what a real star looks like. And, and these guys don't have it because they're not developed in the college game as a brand. I'm not talking about as players, Jason, as a brand, they're not and developed. Think, and there needs to be some context to this. Larry Bird was, I believe, a senior, but Magic only played two years, and Iverson left yeah. after a sophomore year. So we're not asking these guys to be fifth-year red shirts, okay? But the branding that you get or used to get, but here's the problem, Jason. Let's say all of a sudden you enact a rule that, okay, every single player has to stay at least two, if not three years. I think it's already too late. The, the, the college basketball brand is so diluted and watered down, I don't even know if that would fix it now. I really don't. I, I still remember when Zion Williamson, his one-year Duke, they lost in the Elite Eight to Michigan State. I was so disappointed because I watched every Zion Williamson game. And when they blew that game to Michigan State, I said, I'm not going to even watch the Final Four. I don't even, outside of Michigan State, I don't know who else was in that year. But, I, you know, Jason, it, it's amazing because with college basketball, believe it or not, I used to almost follow it as closely as college football. And I can still remember where I was and how heartbroken and devastated I was when UNLV lost to Duke at the Hoosier Dome. When Larry Johnson passed up the shot and he threw it to Anderson Hunt and Hunt had to throw up that awkward-looking shot, and when that ball kind of just bounced awkwardly, I remember thinking like a family member had died. Not only had UNLV lost, they lost to the Dukies. And I look back at it, I appreciate that era. I actually kind of really appreciate Christian Leitner because you know why? He made us give a damn. There has not been a college player like that in the past 15 years, Jason. 15, maybe 20 years. Yeah, maybe 25. I don't know how long yeah, it was Steve. those guys. Long it's been time. 20 years. It's, it's Anyway, hey, Steve, great job. Going to let you go. Awesome job. We'll see you tomorrow. Uh, we'll see you. Look, I've already given you guys, let me just give you a reminder, what I need you to do as Fearless Soldiers, hit that like button. We want 3,000 likes maybe even 4,000 likes today. It's just a small thing you can do to help us out here, help us grow the show. Hit the like button, the algorithm's rigged against us. Now, if you wanna do something uh, big, you can come join us here on April 15th for our first ever Men's Summit Roll Call. Bearing witness requires courage, not perfection. We are hosting our first Roll Call event. It's limited to just 1,000 people. Uh, Next week, our ticket prices are going to jump uh, by $25. This week is the last time you can buy tickets to Roll Call for just $100. For those of you that want to attend uh, VIP events on Friday, here at this, uh, we're gonna have a cookout and full show that you can be a participant in if you want to come in on Friday, April 14th and be a part of that show for just a thousand dollars, you can be a VIP. We're going to feed you. We're going to drink you. We're going to uh, entertain you. 
and some of you uh, will can have the potential to be a guest on that show. That's going to be limited to just 30 people. You can meet all of our contributors and cast here at the studio, get a tour of the studio, hang out with me, participate on the show, eat my cooking. That's on Friday. On Saturday, we're having a breakfast. Uh, 500 bucks for VIPs, we're gonna serve you breakfast, give you a tour of the studio, hang out with me before all the festivities kick off later in the day at Rocket Town. This week, starting Monday, March 6th, prices are going to jump up. I've, I've had to call, my, my brother's bringing uh, his son and my cousin Lloyd is coming, and I had to get on them, I was like, yeah, we coming, we coming, we coming. I'm like, uh, you better buy your tickets. Because if you think you're gonna pull this little family thing at the end, uh, I'm your brother. I'm your cousin. Of course you're gonna let me. No, I'm not. And these tickets sell out. They're sold out. Uh, so my brother, James, if you're watching, Lloyd, if you're watching, buy your tickets now, this week, if you wanna come hang out with us on April 15th. It's gonna be an awesome event. We're gonna inspire you. We're gonna encourage you. We're gonna give you some information and a game plan for addressing life and how you can be an asset in your community and how you can push back against this satanic culture that we have going on here in America. We have to gather as men and game plan together. We're gonna do that April 15th, I want you here. All right, don't go anywhere. Oh, no, I do want you to actually go. Well, don't leave yet, but go to FuriousArmyRollCall.com on your other screen and uh, get those tickets. Uh, don't go anywhere, uh, Jason Brown will be next, we will not be talking about Patrick Atheists, the secular world, the culture, uses our imperfection, our sins to take, shut up. You, you're, you can't stand on truth. And if all it was was imperfection, it eliminated us from standing on truth, this would be a very quiet place. I'm trying to be as loud as I can and as transparent as I can to try to inspire other men. We know you're imperfect, you know you're imperfect. God's grace and mercy, mercy gives you the right to stand on his truth and to speak that loudly into the culture. We, we have to do that. You can look around and say, these guys have taken over everything. They own the CDC, the NIH, they got the president. Is transgender surgery for children? Colleges today are nothing but leftist indoctrination centers working fully against the Bible. What's the alternative? So you're gonna stop fighting today and you're gonna let the government raise your kids? And you're gonna turn around and let them chop off your 12-year-old daughter's breasts and let them sterilize your son and tell him that he's a girl? And you're gonna let them make the Bible hate speech? You're the last line of defense here because nobody else is gonna do it and God's gonna walk with you. This is literally worth dying for. Absolutely. I'm telling you, so it's like everybody, that's a nice little metaphor. This is it. If there's a hill to die on, this is it. The Overton window has been moved right in front of our children's bedrooms. And there are all types of people that are trying to climb up in the ladder. And every good father should be on his post so that when they peek their head up over the, the window sill, you kick the ladder back down, let them know, you, you move on to the other house because we're not playing that around here. Sometimes just standing up, just saying no, we're not going to do that. Not my marriage, not my kids, not my family, not my community, not my church, not my city. Just declaring that, that's victory enough. In prepping his disciples, he tells Peter, he's like, listen, Satan desires 
to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you. We're gonna face some ups and downs in life and we're not gonna always get it together. But if we stay on the path, if we stay chasing after, running after Jesus, running after his way, he's even praying for us. Now, I, I like it when you pray for me, Jason and TJ. I appreciate that, but to have Jesus pray for me, that makes me feel pretty good. When you make it through this sifting process, go back and strengthen your brothers. So we all have a responsibility as men. Once he's delivered me through this, I have a responsibility to go back and bring some other folk out. You do a roll call to just let people know you're not alone, be confident in your positions, and we're gonna inspire you. We're gonna eat, fellowship, listen to some music. It's gonna be the first of many roll calls that we do. So we're looking for soldiers. We're gonna put on our best uh, recruiting pitches for soldiers. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. All right, welcome back. Uh, I heard from many of you uh, last week who uh, felt like uh, Jason Brown owes me an apology uh, for being very disrespectful towards uh, Patrick Mahomes last week. Uh, I've decided not to demand an apology uh, from Jason Brown, and I, I know that that will upset many of you. I, I heard from you via email. Uh, most of the audience feels like Jason Brown was completely out of line and with his disrespect towards Patrick Mahomes. So instead of demanding an apology, I'm just, you know, we're just not going to have JB talk about Patrick Mahomes on this show again. But uh, we do consider JB a valuable member of the uh, Fearless Army. And so uh, JB will be back today as he, as he is on every Monday. He's a great asset for the show when he's not stating delusional things about Patrick Mahomes. And so we're going to bring JB on today to talk about Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott because JB was talking about that on his own show this morning. JB, I don't know what's funny, uh, but uh, I heard that you were talking about Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott on your show uh, earlier today about you know who's more valuable, who's more overpaid, who would you rather have? And so that's kind of the question I want to start with you, put you on the spot. Given, you know, Dak and, and Deshaun are probably the two highest paid players in the NFL, which one would you rather have, Dak Prescott or Deshaun Watson? Before we get started, it's contrary to belief. I got emails that said you should have been apologizing. That's funny how that works. Um, I wouldn't have accepted your apology anyway if you did. So, And I, I don't apologize because we are who we are, not what we say we are. So let me get to this. I, I, I would love to know what it, what 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 would anybody say that I actually did wrong uh, in that discussion? I mean, your mother you emailed you, JB, or they what? Said, they said you hung up on me. 
Well, I was done hey, with said, you, but anyway, I said, I, I'm not, we're not talking about Patrick Mahomes. You can do what you want. It's your show. I said, I don't care. Yeah. I, I Anyway, could we talk about Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson? I, I've, I've made peace with last week. I'm not going to demand an apology. Let's, let's just move on. That's funny. Hold on. Let me flip this coin real quick. <laughs> uh, I'll say Dak. Uh, I guess Dak won because he don't have a 57 women coming forward, I guess. I'm going to go with that one. Uh, either one's really available quite often. They're both kind of – I think they're overpaid uh, and overvalued. But if uh, – let's, let's get to the point, Jason. Apparently, I'm the black quarterback hater, even though I've only coached all black quarterbacks in my entire life. Maybe I've coached two white kids. But having said that, um, I think Derek Carr's worse. I think Wentz is worse. Baker Mayfield's worse. Uh, I could talk about a bunch of bad white quarterbacks. But Dak Prescott was the question. That is my answer because of the fact that He's on a team that I believe has a better chance to win right away, and he at least didn't miss an entire season last year and then came back as a, ty- as a joke and a mockery. At least he came back after Cooper Rush did pretty good and still had a good offensive showing. That he had good numbers for the most part. He just isn't a winner in the playoffs. He just doesn't have that it factor. He has more of the Tony Romo factor in the playoffs. And it's a tough coin flip, but I, I go with Dak just because of the character off the field. I, I, he has never had any character flaws that I know of. He hasn't had his character. Uh, he hasn't had any character uh, issues. So, uh, you know, he seems like a good dude for everyone that I know that knows him. Uh, he's a great guy off the field, does a lot of charity work, does a lot of other things. I'm going to go with that guy. I'm going to throw character out the window and just not not even evaluate it on that. And and I I get your point. I'm not even disagreeing with it. But I just think Deshaun Watson has more upside. I I think Deshaun Watson has a higher ceiling than Dak Prescott. And, you know, whether he'll reach that ceiling, I don't know. He may be mentally shot from, you know, the things he experienced over the past year and a half, past two years. But, in, you know, he was on a trajectory, in my view, to be an elite NFL quarterback, a guy that could win you Super Bowls. And, and I think there's still a chance he could get back on that track. May not be able to because, again, there's a chance he's not Kobe Bryant and, and he's going to be mentally shot from w- what he's gone through. And I and and. Perhaps deservedly so. When you get your carry, Kobe had a one-off incident where an accusation, an allegation was made. But when this guy's got 30, 40, his reputation's never going to recover. And so he mentally may never recover. It's, it's, I don't feel sorry for him, but it's it's a sad story to see that kind of talent wiped out by irresponsibility off the field. Yeah, it is. Uh, we see it far too often, unfortunately. Um, I in the in the whole NFL, NBA, we got guys doing these things all the time. It seems like I I don't know. I just uh, if if I'm going to put my franchise guy or pay this guy franchise trend, you know, generational wealth. Uh, this kid will never have to do anything in his life again. He's already been paid. 
So really, he has won. He's beat the system and won. And now he has set the marketplace to where I think, I don't want to use the word unfair because life is is what it is. I don't believe it's unfair. I think is what it is. Um, and live with it and, and figure it out is kind of how I live and walk my days every single day, uh, foot after foot. I don't believe that um, you can, I wouldn't pay the guy that much money um, knowing what's out there. Uh, that is why I would pick Dak. If I had to pick two tomorrow to build a team with out of those guys, I'm taking Dak just for the simple fact that I want a guy to to lead my organization with a little bit of some type of class or a dignity that's the face of my franchise. I just don't have that. Then the Cleveland Browns owner bought the Bucks today. Uh, so that's just – this guy's just like, screw it. I'm just buying up things. I don't care. It's about money, and that's what it is. I can pay the guy. And unfortunately, Jason, not off topic, but you're going to have some guys that are are impacted gratefully in, in this thing. And guys like Lamar Jackson, who this is how I classify Lamar. He is deserving of the proverbial bag. He's not worth the proverbial bag. Uh, I believe he's deserving of the money because of the simple fact that he's had no issues off the field. He has won an MVP and he's done things for longer than Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, um, and all these other guys. And, you know, he may not get paid what he wanted to get paid. And he's going to be a guy that, that is a, a victim of this market cap that Deshaun Watson has set, unfortunately. Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, they've set this bar way up here. And now you got, you might get a guy like Lamar Jackson who just gets screwed on the deal. Or you might help a guy like Daniel Jones really get $40 million, who is a guy who threw 15 touchdowns last year, which to me is just blowing my mind on the NFL landscape of things. Quarterbacks, in my opinion, should almost have a separate cap because I just don't know. I'm worried in – and in, in not even 10. I'm worried in three or four years, Jason, the NFL is going to be so watered down it's going to be very hard to watch regular season football games because the quarterback play is going to be average at best, but we're paying them A1 money, and the roster is going to be so average around them because they cannot fill a, a great roster because the quarterback is demanding so much money. So – you're going to see the Chiefs probably in a few not next year because this is the first year that uh, that Mahomes is going to start getting that big big yearly salary of that five hundred whatever million. You're going to what start. What did you just say, JB? You're going to see the Chiefs. We're not ro- talking Patrick Mahomes. You're going to see the Chiefs roster imploding um, around that team because you got to pay the quarterback such uh, exorbitant amount of money, and I just don't know if the NFL. Uh, is going to be able to be watchable pretty soon. It's just the rosters are bad. The, the roster every year turnover. You got the free agencies that are, free agent market is just kids wanting out. They don't care if they win a Super Bowl or not. Did you did you see the the Dallas Mavericks and Kyrie Irving last night after giving up a thirty point lead? They thought they won the championship hugging LeBron and hugging AD. It was um, it was embarrassing. I showed it on my show today. Like they don't care about winning no more. They want the money. That's what we're doing. We're giving money away uh, like it's candy, and I think it's hurting the sport. Totally agree with you there, JB. You said something earlier 
that I want to follow up on. You said that you're known as the black quarterback hater by, by who? Oh, just Twitter, everybody, social media, oh. you know, all, all the all the all the gurus, all the so-called gurus. They say I only talk about bad quarterback. When I say bad quarterback play, it's always a black quarterback. I'm like, well, not really. I, I'm pretty much on record talking bad about uh, pretty much every quarterback. If they play bad that day, I'm talking about you. If they play good, I'll tell you that what? they did good. But Derek Carr has been bad for a Here's long Here's the thing I think you're running into, to be honest with you, is, is you talk about who people are interested in. And there's a hyper focus on the black quarterback. They shove it down our throats. Hey, there's two black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl for the first time. Everything's black, 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 black quarterback. And so if you're going to talk about what people are interested in, you're going to talk about the black quarterbacks because people don't seem to be all that interested in Daniel Jones. They're not interested in Baker Mayfield at the same level they are Lamar Jackson. And, and so... I, I, you know, obviously anybody that watches you or followed Last Chance you or watch you on this show uh, when you're not talking about Patrick Mahomes, you actually make a lot of sense. And you're, you know, you're just a critic because you actually played the position. It would be if someone sat around and had to listen to me talk about other writers all the time, I would sound like the worst critic in the world because writing is my passion. And so if I was talking about other sports writers, I, I, man, Whitlock's a hater. And, and so quarterback play is your passion, and, and you talk about who people think are interesting. And, and so it just, anyway, I, I'll, I'll defend you on that. You know, I, I will say, and I know I said I didn't want you to talk about Patrick Mahomes, but if you just wouldn't say dumb things about Patrick Mahomes, I don't think people would say dumb things about you. Dumb and truthful are two different things. You mean truthful things that hurt your feelings? That Say that. It's different. JB, when a man has two MVPs and two Super Bowl titles and you want to criticize him, you sound stupid and you open yourself up to criticism, from unfair criticism from people. JB, you acknowledge that. Sky, Sky, I and Scott don't lie. I and the sky don't lie, Jason. I and the sky don't lie. And what are those MVP and Super Bowl trophies? Are they lies? All right, so who are you going to give it to? Pacheco? <laughs> you going to give the MVP to Pacheco over Mahomes? Come on, man. He threw for 180 yards. He threw for two touchdowns in two games coming into the game. Let's not, let's not anoint him as the next Joe Montana just yet. But I told you I gave him my, I gave him my flowers. He's won two Super Bowls, and it is what it is. I, I, you know, I'm moving on. Right now, I have him as my number one returning quarterback in the NFL. So I'm always going to be honest and truthful at the end of the day. If he deserves it, he deserves it. But I'm just not sold on this whole GOAT talk. And that's my opinion. And let's clarify opinions real quick. I think we've lost JB's connection. I think we've, we're having – is JB freezing up? I think he's let's freezing go. up. Is, Let's is clarify that, opinions. Do you agree? Yeah, I think he's freezing up. Let did, me. Did his screen freeze up? Yeah. I think JB froze up. All right. Uh, we'll move on to Shamika Michelle next.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Saturday's 54th NAACP Image Awards highlighted the inevitable consequence of the abandonment of God's natural order for the matriarchy and the enthusiastic adoption of racial idolatry. LGBTQ plus is the new black, or black is the new LGBTQ. The alphabet mafia defines and controls black culture. The National Association for the Advancement of Color People is America's oldest surviving and viable civil rights organization. Founded in 1909, financed by white Jews and fronted by black elitist W.E.B. Du Bois, the NAACP started as a group fighting for equal rights. Shortly after the passing of civil rights legislation in the mid-1960s, the NAACP, at the behest of its financiers, pivoted to its new role as the premier gatekeeper for black popular culture. In 1967, Sammy Davis Jr. launched the NAACP Image Awards, an annual event to honor the outstanding performances of black people in movies, television, music, and literature. The awards stand as a cultural barometer and a high-profile pat on the head for the black celebrities who best exemplify the values imposed by Hollywood. Hollywood values alternative lifestyles and behaviors antithetical to God's design. Here's how Yahoo News headline baited readers to click a link about the latest Image Awards. The best moments from the 2023 NAACP Image Awards, including Nico Anand, Brittany Griner, Queen Latifah, and more. Queen Latifah hosted the show. Latifah is the 52-year-old rapper turned actress who is lesbian. Nico Annan, who is gay, is the star actor on the show Pea Valley. Brittany Griner, who is a lesbian, is the WNBA player who spent several months inside a Russian prison for smuggling a small amount of hashish. Latifah, Annan, and Griner headlined the NAACP Image Awards. That's the image Hollywood and the NAACP are promoting of black people. LGBTQ is the new gay. When we're not being gay, we're being led by strong black women, like Angela Bassett. Bassett won Entertainer of the Year for her role in Wakanda Forever, a Marvel and matriarchal fantasy movie about a group of black women who saved the world. Bassett beat out Viola Davis for Entertainer of the Year. Davis starred in The Woman King, a historical and hysterical fantasy flick about a tribe of black female warriors who stopped the slave trade. All the candidates for Entertainer of the Year were women. Same was true a year ago, except for gay rapper Little Nas X. The NAACP's choice for best TV drama was the series P Valley, which is short for Valley. 
P-Valley depicts the struggle of strippers and a gay strip club owner, Annan. Remember, the NAACP is about the advancement of black people. Its awards show allegedly shines a spotlight on performances that enhance the image of black people. Valley? Really? That's the best we got? Nick Annan's, or Nico Annan's role as Uncle Clifford, the gay club owner who is banging a young rapper, is the best in black television? He won the Best Actor Award. Here's a clip of his acceptance speech. Wait a minute, wait a minute. When they say God is good, I know it is so. I go. See, there's a few that don't know. May I have your attention? I go. One more time up top. I go. Yes, my God. I want to. You already know who I serve, and that's the Lord. And I'm used, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the artists that participate in creating this story. I want to dedicate this to every 40, 50, 60, 70 year old plus that did not have space to be themselves. I want to thank each and every one of you that are here tonight watching at home, but that are dining at this table, this family table where we can have conversations. And it was told to me one time, may you dine at the tables that you build with dreams too brave to be broken, with cups and plates that runneth over. Those are the words of Katori Hall. And I thank that woman for this opportunity and creating a space that we can look at our cousins and sisters and brothers with love, dignity, and respect as they fly through the ceiling. Thank you to my team. Thank you, mama, daddy, for loving this black boy right here. And thank you for loving this. Yep, uh, within the next five years, I expect the Image Awards to adopt a category for best black performances in porn. Why was Brittany Griner brought on stage for a special recognition? Griner's notable accomplishment was getting arrested abroad. The truth is the NAACP honored her because she's non-binary and married to a woman. Griner took the stage looking like tall Trevor Noah or Colin Kaepernick with a haircut. Why did Griner's wife join Brittany on stage? Did Angela Bassett's husband join her on stage? Griner's wife was on stage because the NAACP wanted to send a message to the young people watching that Griner is special and worthy of celebration because of her sexual choice. The NAACP has no interest in advancing the cause of black people or promoting a positive image of black people. The NAACP is using black people to promote the BLM LGBTQ plus alphabet mafia agenda. We, black people, are so ruled by racial idolatry that we adopt and promote any agenda labeled as black, including agendas directly opposed to religious principles and values. LGBTQ plus has been labeled black, so our pride dictates we adopt the agenda of gays, lesbians, and trans. Listen to Gabrielle Union spell it out. A new era that demands our collective answer to one simple question. 
Will we fight for some? Or will we fight for all of our people? Let's just name a couple hard truths. First, the intersection of black rights and the rights of the LGBTQIA, trans and gender nonconforming people continues to be rough. It's a huge understatement. Even as we demand equality at the top of our lungs, we consistently fail to extend our advocacy to protect some of our most vulnerable among us. And And second, black trans people are being targeted, terrorized, and hunted in this country. Every day, everywhere. And there's rarely a whisper about it. Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union are raising a son who identifies as a woman and they're treating him as a woman. I have great empathy for them. But I just, this whole thing that black people, we're gay victims. That's the identity Hollywood assigned black people. We're defined by our sexuality and the amount of discrimination we can claim we endured at the hands of white people. Our preferred pronouns are dead, incarcerated, gay, and trans. We all hope to be represented one day by the illiterate lawyer, Benjamin Crump. The NAACP honored Crump with its social justice award. The mushmouthed Black Lives Matter ambulance chaser gave a rousing speech to much applause. Crump, like Annan, referenced God as the inspiration for his work. Take a listen. And thank you to God and my beautiful family who are the greatest source of my inspiration and my extended family. All of those who have fought with me throughout the years to make liberty and justice for all a reality. I promise I will use this social justice award as greater incentive to fight against the legalized genocide of colored people and vow never to stop fighting racism and discrimination when it rears its ugly head. We are prepared to fight for black history in and outside of the courtrooms just as hard as we will continue to fight for the George Floyds of the world, for the Breonna Taylors of the world, for the Ahmaud Aubrey's of the world, for the Trayvon Martins of the world, and now for the Tyree Nichols of the world and all of our children that have been taken from this earth far too soon. Because we have to stand up for our children's future. We have to speak up for our children's future and we have to fight for our children's future. Because if we don't fight for our children's future, we can't expect anybody else to fight for our children's future. And we have to be prepared to fight for our children's future until hell freezes over.
And then we have to be ready to fight on the ice. I can't stand Ben Crump. I've met him. I've spent some time with him. A fraud and a phony. Can barely speak English. I, I just, it just shocks me that we've allowed this man to bamboozle us. He's a psyop. He's controlled opposition. He's a plant government agent that's getting paid. It, 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 the, the using of these useful idiots to take us down a path to destruction just blows my mind. And again, rattle off the names, standing on the back, collecting paychecks off the names of dead people is an embarrassing profession. And then to dress it up, well, we're fighting for our children's lives. Are we really? Is that what you're really doing? Or are you just running around collecting money, Ben? Are you just running around chasing ambulances and, and profiting off of other people's tragedies? What we saw Saturday night had nothing to do with God. It was testament to what happens when a group of people make themselves idols and serve their own desires. NAACP should be disbanded. It serves no purpose at this point other than leading black people astray and away from God and then dressing it up and calling it God's work. That's what they just did. I don't have a problem with anybody's personal life. But don't dress it up as God. That's like me coming on this show right now and dressing up my gluttony as <laughs> God wants me to eat that fried chicken. You don't have to do that. When you're outside the will and the design of God, stand on it. Don't try to cover yourself with God when you're standing outside of God. I, I could, I'm not, ser I wasn't serving the Lord when I was hanging out in strip clubs three days a week. That's what they sound like to me. Standing in the middle of a strip club, talking about I'm serving God. God's my inspiration. That's why I'm here tucking this money. That's what Ben Crump sounds like. I'm benefiting and running around the country, profiting off death and tragedy, but I'm doing it for God. No, you're not. You're lying. You're using God. And I'm embarrassed that we tolerate it, that we tolerate Ben Crump, and that we allow people to take our inconsequential skin color and justify any and everything. The LGBTQIA plus silent P deal is not a black thing. It's a byproduct of our disobedience to God. That's what it is. And so when you start wrapping yourself in it, what you're basically saying is black people are in disobedience to God. Claim it. Stand on it. Don't lie about it. Don't try to dress it up as some kind of social justice movement backed by God, because it's not. The, the Nico, Annan, whatever the, the dude from P-Valley, don't, don't dress up your disobedience as blessed and anointed by God. It's not.
I can't dress up my lust. I can't dress up my promiscuous behavior and say it was sanctified by God. You can't either. Oh, I, I was so, the whole thing is just so sickening and disappointing that this is what we're putting out to the kids, that this is who we are, that the NAACP that's supposed to be there fighting to protect our image and advance us, put on the gayest LGBTQIA plus silent P friendliest show that could ever be on national TV. And they called it a celebration of black excellence. What has Brittany Griner accomplished other than being tall? If Brittany Griner was 5'6", like most women, do you think she would be in the WNBA? Do you think we would know her name? She'd just be some tatted up idiot running around. But, but because who she chooses to sleep with, she's a national celebrity and getting arrested trying to smuggle a small amount of drugs into Russia has made her a hero and the NAACP must rush to put her on stage. You get arrested and that qualifies you to be honored? And she didn't get arrested protesting some injustice. She did nothing heroic. But let's bring her out on stage and let's bring her wife out on stage. And Brittany, you cut your hair and dress up like Colin Kaepernick with a decent haircut. That's who she looked like. Could we, do we have a close up picture of, of Griner there? I saw some in the deal, but we didn't show a real close up. I'd love to get a side, and I meant to say this this morning and tell you, I would love to get a side by side picture of Brittany Griner and Colin Kaepernick. Brittany Griner and Trevor Noah. That's who she looked like, suited and booted. That's why they put her on stage, to tell your daughters, this is what black excellence looks like. That's Brittany Griner on the left. That is not Colin Kaepernick. That's not Don Lemon. That's not Trevor Noah. That's Brittany Griner. And her alleged wife. Uh, let's roll out to North Carolina, bring in Shamika Michelle. Uh, Shamika, what, what, what do you, by the way, you look awesome. Thank you for brightening my day. Uh, what do you make of uh, the NAACP Image Awards? Well, Jason, for a while, the NAACP Image Awards has felt like the Special Olympics of awards. And this isn't a slight to anybody that participates in the Special Olympics, but it's it's called that because they say people have intellectual and physical disabilities. And that's exactly how we are starting to portray ourselves as black people. Everything that you know we feel like we can't get in a regular award, just give it to those people of less lesser quality, who's putting out movies of lesser qualities, but they're black. And apparently our black skin is a disability because 
that that's the reason our standards are so low is because we're black. And so I don't I don't like the image awards. And I think your monologue on it being LGBTQ and the P is not even as silent anymore when we get to what they're doing to uh, Dwayne Wade's son. The P is not even silent. The P is starting to speak up louder and louder as the days go by. So I thought it was a mess and I could rattle on and on and go down the list of people that were just disgusting to me during this whole program. It, it, it just blows my mind. It, it, what, if, what's the other explanation for Brittany Griner being honored? What, what heroic, she got the merchant of death sprung from prison. That's her contribution to the global society. Is her irresponsibility made uh, America have to give up the merchant of death, uh, a terrorist, for her release? That's her contribution to society. Let's honor her. Let, let's shower her with applause and affection because she did something so irresponsible. Uh, she's a hero now. How? Why? You called it because she is a lesbian. And I'm almost starting to get to the point where I want to say he, because something's a little fishy about this whole thing to me. But you called it. There's no other reason for her to be up there. Why? Exactly why? She wasn't being awarded anything. She didn't deserve any type of award. People have gone to prison and gotten out every single day, but they aren't called up on stage and made this big spectacle of. The only reason she got this was because she's lesbian. And we heard Queen Latifah praise black women as being superheroes and saying this isn't a role that uh, we chose. It's not a role we chose or a role that we're in, Queen Latifah, unless that superhero is handyman. You remember when Damon Wayans played on In Living Color and he was handyman? That's how black women look, thinking they're actual superheroes and we're doing something out of the ordinary. I, it was so much that I didn't understand the whole there's only females in the uh, women of the entertainer of the year category. They gave Will Smith best actor for you know, a motion picture for a film nobody even watched. Like the the whole thing was a joke. And it was like toss wheel this little crumb here because we don't even look at him as a strong black man anyway. So he's not gay, but he's close. It, it was just, everything was just a joke to me. <laughs> it, it, can we recover? And literally, th those are the questions. When I watched this this weekend, I I'm just like, can we recover? Can, can and, and if so, how, other than, I mean, you know, I, someone called me this weekend talking about, they, someone sent me a video of uh, kids at maybe Hampton or some university, some HBCU, where they were, the girls put together a video where they were shouting out they love black men. And someone said, hey, what do you think? And I was like, it's cute. It's a nice little vir virtue signal. But I, I go, I I'm just got to be real, man. I go, I'm looking at these white kids at Asbury University and around the country, 
have this religious revival and, and who knows whether it's good or bad, but they're going to church and praying nonstop for weeks at a time. I, that's what we need to be doing <laughs> more than putting together TikTok videos because I, I, I'm, I'm just like, we're, we're so controlled by this racial idolatry and so controlled by the Democrat left. I'm just want can we recover? You know, I don't know if we can recover, Jason, because according to Gomer Crump, there's a legalized genocide of colored people. I, I had no idea until his speech that there was a legalized genocide. And then he's talking about we need to fight for black history. A lot of our kids can't even read. I would have loved to see the video that you were sent over the weekend because all I've been seeing are videos of black kids walking out of schools in protest over black history. Number one, you can't read. And then number two, y'all are arguing about an AP African American studies course. I don't see you all arguing about being in AP chemistry or physics or math because we, we accept them telling us we're too stupid to get in AP classes for that. But let's hold on to that black history that talks about our skin color. No, it doesn't matter that the, the, you know, in Baltimore, these kids can't read. Let's hold on to this black history. Let's stand up in the image awards and hold our fist up. Black power, power to the people. But we aren't even doing what we're supposed to do for our kids. Talking about we need to fight for the future. You're going to fight for them, teaching them how to read, teaching them how to stay out of the street and killing each other, teaching them to marry before they carry, teaching them that if he's not going to stick around, he can't stick it in. This is how we're going to uh, tr train our kids for the future. And when Gabrielle said something about or it was maybe uh, Dwayne Union, because that's what his last name should be, especially after giving the man the last word. He said something about, you know, he wanted to facilitate the freedom of his daughter. We're supposed to train children in the way that they should go. Too many people are trying to be teammates instead of trainers when it comes to parents. That's what we need to be doing for these kids, being trainers, not teammates. And this is a 15-year-old little boy that they have pushed out here to, to be this poster child for transgender, it's sickening. And the fact that he let this abused woman who obviously has an issue with men, she never got the maybe the healing that she was supposed to after, after rape, she don't even like men, if you ask me. And yet this is who we're pushing out here as a model parent, giving them the president's award. I don't know if we can recover, Jason. I know we got a lot of work to do because we have gotten out of hand. Terrible note to end the show because I'm legitimately depressed and you did not help with my <laughs> You just repeated my thoughts, but uh, thank you, Shamika. We'll, we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you. Uh, I, I may go back on this topic again tomorrow. I, I don't know. So depressing. Uh, hey, before I go, hit the likes on the way out the door. Leave a comment. Uh, let's play tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. Waiting for the countdown coming off the
freedom Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder Making all this moves for freedom I want freedom No negotiation, my system, no relation We all just wanna have freedom Sitting on the corner, never been alone I'm breaking my back for freedom Bless, we are living, get back We are receiving all the seeds When we all wanna be free We want freedom I just want, I wanna be, I just want